0: and welcome to Healing in the Afterloss. This is a show about coming to a place of peace and healing after loss. I am Deborah Brown, and it is my honor and privilege to be co-hosting the show with Benjamin Allen, my good friend. And I always say he's a brilliant writer, a gifted speaker, and an amazing human being. And this is because, I say this because it's true. And Benjamin, what do you think of that? I think you're spot on. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, thank you. Think, thank you for the introduction. That always leaves me a little awkward, but thank you for the introduction.
0: I don't care. I, I think it makes it the way I want it to be, which is, it's all about me, right? So there you go. There you go. No, right. it's, you go. it's such a pleasure. Um, this is our third show, and the other two have been stellar, and I know this one is going to meet that criteria as well. So what I want to talk about today is something I've noticed Over time, having lived as many decades as I have so far, and that is that when a person has a loss, other people have an opinion about how long you should grieve or what that grief should look like or when it should be done. And I would submit, and I would imagine you have the same feelings, but we'll see, that there is no right or wrong way to feel, probably not even a right or wrong way to act or cope, and yet that judgment from others does play a role. Do you agree with that?
1: Yes, I, I do agree with that. And, I, and I, I have several theories on why that happens and what needs to happen in the midst of it all. So, But I, I think you're really uh, correct in that, uh, Deborah, that, that it is an individual path. But other people have such an effect on us. And so it's important to to be aware of that and be aware of what what's going on there.
0: Well, you know, it's like, uh, for example, you might be in the throes of a very fresh loss, either a family member, a pet, a friend, or, you know, a, or even a job, something, something significant in your life. And then a relative delivers a stinging rebuke, you know, like it was just a job, you'll get another one. Or somebody says, walk it off, you know. The, the loss happened a year ago. Or this was this is one, you know, Buffy was just a dog. You know, just a dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seriously. No such thing. No such thing. <laughs> no. Or the other one that a lot of people um, fall back on, I think, is, you know, your mother had a good long life. Uh, you know, she she's in a better place. Um, she wouldn't want you to be in this funk. Um, is it because people have a desire to be helpful and, and think they're kind of Filling a need that you might have that you have not expressed for their opinion? Um, is it because they don't have the tools and the words? Or is it possibly that they just don't have the experience of, of walking a mile in, in my moccasins, so to speak?
1: Yeah, you know, and my experience with that, I think there's a couple of dynamics going on. One is some people really do want to be helpful. And, that, and you can tell, I can tell when someone... Is saying those words from a a loving space, or saying those words in a curt, hurtful space? You know that, and and it could be the same words. Uh, The words are still detrimental, but there's, but it's a different motivation. When uh, and you and people that are in loss that have that heightened sensitivity, and that that increased. Awareness of pain, and that, that 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 there's there's a greater magnitude of awareness that goes on in loss, and so we feel things greatly, and so words really can be a part of the soothing, healing balm, or the incredibly destructive. And it's not just words; it's it's what's behind the words, and that's what the the theory that I mentioned earlier is that uh, there are many people. That don't want to feel pain, and these people on the outside have the option not to do that. When you're in the epicenter, when you're when you are close to the one that has died, or when you're you have just lost your job, or you've just had a pet that has died, you are in a different space than someone that's sitting on the outskirts giving opinions. They, and they don't want to experience pain, and they have the option. But those that are living in this kind of pain, there is no option. We have to go through it. This is not something that we can go around go, and and to, to just push off and brush off like their suggestions may be. Uh, for them, it's quite easy. We'll just go on. They're going on. What they want you to do is live their life. They are not giving you the space and the, the support for you to live your own life and to live your own pain and your own sorrow. So there, it's out of sync. And, and, and really, words don't help much anyway. And, you know, when someone is in the initial stages of loss, the most important thing that, that can be done for that person is just to be there and to be in their presence and to acknowledge their pain and, and many times that's just being in silence or going to watch a movie with someone or just taking a walk without saying anything. There's nothing that needs to be fixed when we are in grief. And, and people on the outskirts think we can fix this, you know. And so that, that's, that, that's some of my initial thoughts on what's going on there. People are uncomfortable with, with that kind of, of grief. And so they want you to change so they'll feel better.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um,
0: so on your website, I'm sorry, not on your website, on your Facebook page, I was scrolling down as I do every now and then, and I saw a beautiful image with some of your, a quote of yours on it. And it says, I used to beat myself up thinking I should be able to do more. Gentleness says, no, this is all I can do, and this is all I need to do today. And I think that sums it up. It's the gentleness that maybe others um, maybe need some schooling in. Not that the griever has to give it to them, but that we, as, as others who are maybe enlightened a little bit about this whole process, as much as one can be, <laughs> Um, maybe offering gentleness as a path is a good idea.
1: I think so. I think that and being gentle with oneself, one of the most important things that I needed to do with with my limited capacity to deal with the world, especially in the initial stages, was to be around people that w- took and depleted me more than nurtured and became a part of my healing. Toxic people or people that that were not in the same space. They could be loving people, but they just couldn't get it. I didn't want to be around them. So the gentleness that, for me, was to take care of myself. There's a lot of need and, and grief for self-care. And there's, and, and, and there's so much pain going on. There's so many different dynamics. There's regret there's there's gills, there's
0: you know all
1: these kind of things along with the the loss itself. And it's very easy to go into a self-destructive mode, a feeling why why are they gone? Why am I here? what you know what was left unfair there it, it, there's a multitude of dynamics going on. and when that interacts, with folks that are not in sync or that are in a detrimental state or toxic or, you know, confrontive or whatever, it was just, like, devastating for me. And so I had to withdraw and step away and say, what is it within me that I need to go through the guilt, to go through the the, the remorse, the you know, all those different dynamics, in, in the most caring, gentle way possible. So it really is being careful of who
0: uh,
1: I put in my life.
0: Exactly. Um, you know, it's easy, it's amazing to me that there is a grief community online in Facebook and other, commun- and other um, online ways that is massive. I mean, it is... Unbelievable. The reach that your Facebook posts have, uh, there was one that, that said it had like a 225,000 reach. In other words, 225,000 people could, could read that post. It's, and it's just amazing that people are reaching out and thankfully finding people like you who will share the journey and answer questions and be transparent in what it was like for you and what it's like for you now. Um, do you feel kind of responsible in some way for having a, a lot of people following you on Facebook to be there?
1: I don't know. I don't know.
0: I, Rachel's the one that
1: got me on Facebook. I, I'm not a Facebook person, and, and so this is all kind of a new phenomenon for me. But there are many groups that are on Facebook uh, that are doing what I'm doing, and, and all in a little different ways, but there is quite a response. There's a, quite a reaching out uh, for people hungry for others that know what they're going through, and you know, it's it's in in real time and real physical space. That's a limited number of people, and so Facebook is really playing a role and putting that together. As for feeling responsible for uh, another, I feel responsible for me to be in a place to articulate some of these dynamics that may help other people. Mm -hmm. That what, What I have gone through, and I have gone through it to a place of peace, saying this is what I have gone through. And to be able to to voice what, when people are in the midst of it, words don't come. It, you know, when grief really, in the depths of grief, it goes beyond words. And so what I feel responsible for is to be able to articulate what some of those things are to let these people know that they're not alone is the most important thing but there are navigational tools to move through this, and there are ways to do it, and there are others who have done it. And so because when we're in the midst of it, it's like no one knows how I feel. No one knows what I'm going through. And it looks like there's no way out. And, uh, you know, I feel responsible for that. I feel responsible for saying there is a way through You're not alone. There is a way out. And this is how I did it for me. And and maybe this can help you find some ways to to do it for yourself.
0: Well, I think that one of the things that I've heard you say, and actually we we captured it on the back cover of the book that we're going to talk about here in a minute that you wrote, um, but it has to do with the pathway, that journey through loss, into healing is a pathway with many footprints, and I think it's just like you just said it's so important for people to understand that if you can reach out if you're you know if you've got your heart together enough that you can reach out and let other people kind of talk you down or talk you through or whatever because they've done they've done it too that's a good thing and it It is a path with many, 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 many footprints.
1: (laughs) Many people.
0: Many. I mean, yeah. I guess everyone at some point or another is probably going to have a loss.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's it's a path
1: with many footprints going in many directions.
0: (laughs) Exactly. it's
1: It's not like there's one path that goes point A to point B. There is no point A and point B in grief. And one person's footprint, you got to just see which footprints resonate with yours, you know, which ones match. And there, everyone, everyone has footprints in loss. We all live in loss. And it's how that resonates for you that another has articulated and gone through it that that can make a difference you know that this is such a, an isolating experience and we and we go through grief alone but together and so it is like as you said about facebook finding the right community that works for you there are some uh, Facebook pages that are, are not for me they they don't resonate for me, but they're massive. They resonate for a lot of people, and that's fantastic, you know. And there are some that, that would come to the, my page and say, "Well, this doesn't resonate with me. This, uh, I need to find something else." And you know, and I I, I just hope they find what works for them. And mm-hmm. and they all they all work, but they work differently and they work for different people.
0: Exactly. Well, you said a minute ago that when you're in the depths of grief, the experience of that goes beyond words, and what I know is it took you a long time to come to a place where you could write your story, and maybe even a longer time after that before you published it. Um, So, of course, we're talking about Out of the Ashes, Healing in the Afterloss, which is your book that has been out for several months now, and it is brilliant. That's why when I introduce the show, I always say brilliant writer because I'm not kidding. It's it's absolutely brilliantly written. I love the book, and it is very impactful for people who have lost children or animals or jobs or whatever. It does parents. Because it's about, and I I love the part about going the distance, but it's about going the distance, about how you show up for the person who is leaving this life and understanding legacy and all that stuff. So that was a very um, choppy way to talk about how beautiful your book is, and I apologize for that, but it it did take you a while to be able to get it down on paper, didn't it? It did.
1: It did. It took a long time because... I didn't want to. I didn't want to do it to begin with at all, and uh, I I needed time. Uh, we were in the public eye when Matt was alive. Lydia had died, and uh, the school was finding out, and and so Matt and I went public with our story, and it was in the it was in the news, and it was in you know TV shows, all you know, document and not document, excuse me. News shows and so forth, and I just, you know, all I wanted to do was be with Matt and watch cartoons, and uh, when all that was over, I just kind of walked away. I just said, I, I, need, I need to go in, inward and see what's left, and it took a long time to come to this, in this what I call the afterloss, this world of the afterloss, I explored it, and still continue to explore, but I explore it rather uh, extensively and intensely. And I, and, there, and it is beyond words. It is beyond, you know, that kind of experience it, it is is um, a very intimate, intense um, endeavor. And so I needed a lot of, of quiet. I needed a lot of just reflection. And that was years, years in reflection of, okay, Uh, you know, all I had left at the end when Brian had died, Lydia had died, Matt had died, and all I had left was my grief. And so what I decided was just to go and lean into it and watch it and to experience it and to not filter anything. Just, to, just to let whatever needed to be be, and that took years. And that, so, in the writing of the book, it was not to work through my grief. It was a reflection of how grief worked and how I had worked through it. And, and, and it really is in the backdrop, like it's not an instructional book. It is, it is a. It is a It is an account. It's an account of what I went through, what we went through, and how we got through it. And I believe that that when someone touches those pages, it will touch a part of them. That's why I wrote it. You know, ultimately, I I finally succumbed to the, I don't know, uh, request in a way to to write it. And I... uh, I wanted the pages to be not my journey, but our journey. as As the reader and I go through my story, they hear their story, even though it's a different story. It's the same dynamics.
0: Right. Well, one of the things that I know about this book is that one of the things that you hope to accomplish. Um, you say, how to honor the one you have lost and shift the pain into an experience of peace and acceptance. In other words, that's what a person would discover in the book. And I do believe that is one of the most um, forward... I mean, in my mind, that, that shows up the highest, at the highest level. It's honoring the ones you lost and shifting the pain into an experience of peace and acceptance. Because the way you honor... Your two boys and your wife in that book, with that book. I mean, the book is a gift to them and to us. It's just beautiful.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and, and people have said, "Boy, it's very raw, and it's very vulnerable, and very open, but we lived a very raw, vulnerable lives. You. Know, right. and, uh, yeah, you know, they, they did it. They, they, they lived remarkable lives,
0: and it really is a,
1: a legacy to them, and a and a legacy to life that that coming into that peace and acceptance is coming into that healing.
0: And what
1: I am really strong on this, people talk about getting through grief. No, it's living with grief for me. It's it's living you know healing in the after loss for me. Healing is finding peace within the the loss, peace within the pain. It's not that the pain goes away. It's not that the loss goes away. Healing for me is finding a way to live in harmony with both life and loss And, and that I live on a daily basis and I will live probably the rest of my life in love with them, in life with them, and in loss with them. And how do I do that? How do I go on? And how do I go in? And how do I, How do we go on together? Nothing, nothing ends. And so this whole thing around, you know, that's what has been, uh, what disturbed me most about those that, as you talked about at the beginning of our conversation, of the, that want you to get over it and, and minimize it and so forth. Is that that that's not what grief is. That's not what loss is. Loss is not about moving on away from someone and moving back. And that we can't compartmentalize our lives, and that that certainly sectionalizes our sorrow. And there there's no sections to sorrow. It hits it, everything, everywhere, every moment. So how do I live with that? How do I live knowing? As I sit and talk to someone today my age and saying they, you know, they're about their grandchildren and knowing that, that my son would be at an age where I could have had grandchildren. And that's not going to be a part of my life. And how do I live celebrating my friend's life and journey and celebrate mine even though they're sorrow? That's what mm-hmm. healing is. You know, that's what healing is. Exactly.
0: Hmm. I've kind of I've kind of lost it here a little bit. Um well. Okay, let me laugh a minute. That'll help. Um Laughter always. Okay. Yeah, it does. Okay, so, hold on. Um Wow, sorry about that. Um, okay, so no sections to sorrow. Okay, let me sectionalize whatever's going on for me right now. <laughs> wow. Well, you and I have had this this happen several times because uh, we've talked so much, you and I, on the phone about this, your journey, my journey. And um, it's just a tender, sweet, loving way that you share, and it makes a difference.
1: Well, thank you. So what are you going through right now? That's enough about me. What's happening
0: for you? Oh, I was just, frankly, um, thinking about grandchildren, you know? And uh, I have a couple of them, which is wonderful. And um, I don't talk about them with you because I don't want you to feel bad. (laughs) <laughs> I made that decision. I just you know, and it's probably not the right one. So, anyway.
1: No, you know what? Let, let me respond to that. Is that that healing really is about the celebration of life in the midst of sorrow? My sorrow. I never compare my life with another's. I never think, oh, they have this and I don't, or I have this and they don't every person's journey is unique and this is my journey and that's part of the acceptance and part of that acceptance is the celebration of you having grandchildren of you having that experience and and nothing makes me happier than seeing people that appreciate what they have when i see a parent that is abusive or Detrimental to a child. I was at a park the other day, and this man was screaming at his child because she was supposed to put on her slippers before they got on the bike. It was a lovely Sunday afternoon, and and he was and they were in front of me, and he was literally this four-year-old, maybe five-year-old little girl, and he was yelling at her, and I was just I was just ripped to shreds. I mean, it was like. Don't you know what you have? Don't you know what you're doing? And when I see that, it, it tears me to pieces. But when I see someone who knows and appreciates the love they have give us, my heart sings. You know, It just soars. It's just like, thank you. Thank you. And so, uh, you know, it's not about what I don't have. It, 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 and, and in that kind of comparison, it is about celebrating that this person knows what they have. You know the beauty of your grandchildren. You know what it's like to hold them, and I love that. That that's what matters is that we know what we have. Right. So
0: right.
1: I love I love hearing about children and grandchildren and and and, and people enjoying life. That's what gives me life.
0: Right. Well, okay then. <laughs> I'm not going to do that again. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. I won't make my decision without all the information and decide something that the other person, in this case you, is not buying into. <laughs> so I think those you know, things, you know. But I, I came at it from from love. I, I love you, and yeah. I don't want to hurt you. You know. All right. Well, you know
1: that there is, there, and uh, so again circling back to what we first started with it's the motive it's it's where we come at being with someone who is who has gone through loss and it's how we share our loss everyone has gone through loss so how we are really open and sensitive and authentic the most important thing is to be authentic with another and to be real i had a friend that had never had loss in his life lydia was dying and Matt was still alive and Brian had already died. You know, he had never had a loss in his life. And he said that to me, that I have no idea what you're going through, but I'll be here for you. That was authentic. That was real. And when Lydia died, he was the first person I sought out to be with before I went to tell Matt about his mother's death. Mm. I just needed someone that I could just talk to for a while after going through that experience. And uh, he, I saw him out, uh, a guy that had never had loss in his life, but he was so real and authentic and caring. That's what I needed right then. So it really is, you know, when you talk, you know, there, we talk about how do we be around people and loss and and really walking with that kind of filtering and, and um uh walk like walking on eggshells is is not really the best to be with someone who's in love. Ask him you know what, what can I do what with you know if you mentioned your grandchildren and and i changed change the subject, you know that would be different That would go well, okay, well, that's not where he can go right now and it's not about you it's about me if I can't mm-hmm. go there but but to to venture in with authenticity and realness. That's what people pick up the most, and and I would, for me, I would just go, man, I love to hear about your grandchildren, I love to hear about the, the beauty of love, and and uh, so that, that that I appreciate your sensitivity, but you don't have to be and and with me, it, it's a, it's a gift to hear about your well, life and to celebrate with you.
0: Well, thank you. It's amazing how we could start out on one. Like you just you wrapped it back around. It, it's exactly what this is all about: is how we are with each other, and also more importantly, how we are in that self-care realm with the gentleness and the 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 loving to oneself to make this all even doable. <laughs> you know, otherwise, h- how do we get through the day if we're not gentle with yeah. ourselves? If we're not gentle with each other, how do we get through the day, right? I mean, it's just a lot going on. Just there's a lot going on in the world that you could be sad about and feel lost over. You know, like um, things that happen in the news, and when you go, oh my gosh, innocent lives lost, innocence lost, hope lost. You know, there's just so much going on right now. Kind, it could be depressing. (laughs) It is depressing.
1: Yeah, you know what? It really is. Um, I mean, life is a plethora of loss. That's really what it is. I mean, that's what life is about. And and we, what I think a lot in this in our society, uh, or in our world, have built this illusion that loss happens to somebody else, or loss is different from life, or loss loss is, and we live in loss every day. And it's how much we are aware of it, and how much we, uh, for me personally, how much I embrace it, that I find that love that transcends the the sadness, that transcends the 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 disappointment, the depression, all you know that 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 I have to work through all of that to find the transcendence, you
0: know, and
1: all that is, and that what is what is is love.
0: And, you know, that
1: that is a a challenge. And people have this idea that pain is bad. And I don't have that. I I don't have pain is bad. Pain is neither good nor bad, just pain is. And so I need to address what is. And when I take it out of a value statement, I find a way to experience it that. Is not so overwhelming because I want to push away things that are bad and I want to hold on to things that are good. When I just leave it in its natural state, I can be in harmony with it. And so when I read the, the things in the world around us and I find myself in sadness and I have a disappointment and just pain, my God, there's some awful things going on in this world. And and I don't want to push them away. I don't want to become an insensitive human being that doesn't care but my caring takes me through the sadness into a loving space of what can i do at this point for that person or that situation does that make sense
0: well, it does that's a much better framework i i tend to watch the news well i watch msnbc all day long um, it's in the background when I'm doing other things. It's, it's actually behind me because my my TV is to my back <laughs> when I'm working on my computer. And uh-huh. sometimes I think, oh, I should just turn it off because I'm just hearing the same thing said a different way by each, you know, every hour, same stuff. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm just getting all this chatter in my head that is so negative. And then... Mm. I, I do realize that there are things I could do about it, and I. But, uh, so I feel like I have to know. You know, I, I'm afraid to miss something. So I'm, I'm kind of in one of those quandaries. You know, I, I don't. I don't want to push away the bad, and uh, sometimes I'm not sure what to do with it when I've got it. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so it's gets just depressing. So maybe I need to reframe yeah, how I'm looking at it. Okay. Yeah, and a
1: uh, question to ask is, what draws you? To be there to hear that. Now, for me, I can't do it. I mean, I have such a it, it, things can really wipe me out. So I don't, I don't watch the news very often. Very rarely do I watch TV news. One because it just doesn't work for me. But I read, I read the news because I can filter it different, and I find sources that that I resonate from their point of view, and some sources that that are opposite point of view. But I, I can't listen to it because i feel bombarded It just like it is overwhelming for me and so what i find is i can i can digest it easier by reading it <laughs> and find right. you know and, and so so it's interesting how we are drawn to what we bring into our lives which is really a part of 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 what we do as and and, and grief is how do we filter what is digestible and what isn't, what, is, what becomes overwhelming, where are the limits. I wrote something today for the Facebook page um, this morning, and what I do is I, I, you know, I write in the morning, and, and Rachel puts a beautiful photograph to it, and, and it's posted, and, and, and so and I usually write in those mornings, and this morning I was reflecting on what are the parameters of pain, what where where do I re- when I reach the limit of my capacity to endure a painful situation? What happens? And um, and I was and, and, and as I'm reflecting on it, it's a whole thing of filtering, you know, finding what I can do, what I can't do, what in, in this moment is I can absorb and what is just just beyond my capacity. And that's a really important feature of healing and loss is to know, and as we talked about earlier, this is really a part of self-care. How do we know when enough is enough? When do I feel, when do I know to turn off the news? When do I know when this phone call that I'm going to make to someone will send me over the edge. When will I know this memory will take me beyond my capacity or it will take me to my capacity? There's a difference. There's a difference between going beyond my capacity and a memory or a a sad experience that will take me to my capacity, which is healing. Healing is, is, is a part of my capacity to do life. When it goes beyond healing, out of self-care, that's when the overwhelm happens.
0: This is very interesting that this has come up, because I have been in overwhelm for the last couple of weeks for any number of reasons, home issues, you know, actually dealing with the house, and any number of things, Um, my husband being in the hospital, all kinds of stuff. And I had gotten myself backed up a little bit on a couple of projects that I just couldn't get to do. I mean, I just couldn't get to them. And it was starting to make me think like or feel like um, the other person is going to think I'm a flake. Um, My self-esteem is now going, you know, inching downward because I can't get this done. So I've actually made two phone calls to the people who are in, in this, you know, dance with me and I made one this morning, as a matter of fact, and I said, I have had life <laughs> to deal with, yeah. and I cannot get that done when I thought I was, but I will, and it will be great, and I'm just checking in, and she was thrilled. So my capacity to endure was exactly what was happening. I had I had tried to keep it together And I was going to try to tough it out and stay up all night and, you know, do that kind of stuff. And it was not necessary. So maybe that reaching out, being open, authentic, sensitive, not just to myself but to others, is so helpful in keeping me from feeling more loss. like in this case of self-esteem probably (laughs) or whatever, you know, my own sense of self. Um, Is that making sense? I mean, this is good. This is like when do I turn it off?
1: Absolutely, Deborah. I mean, you are uh, you're remarkable in the gifts that you have and how you work, and you know we've worked together, and I know your capacity, I know when you have the room to do what you need to do, and you came up to a place where there was no room, but that you know and and you know and I think you just described beautifully what self care is about is to know your limits and to step into that and to reach out and say, This is my limit and you'll find people around you going, Wow, yeah, I, I understand that and the thing that, that triggered for me that, that my ears perked up when you talked about how you felt in that overwhelm, that lack of self esteem, that la- that you know, the whole feeling and the guilt probably and all those kind of things. And and there was and this is the most one of the most important words that Somebody taught me early on in my, and when Lydia and Matt were still alive, I kept saying should, and he said to me, should is the worst word in the English language. Because it's an expectation, it's not reality, and like, I should be able to do more. I should, and I learned early on through this process, whenever I hear myself say the word should, a red flag goes up and say, no, that's not reality. And you know, I, and and that creates the guilt, the the backlog, that I'm supposed to be able to do something when I just don't have the energy or capacity to do it. And you describe beautifully, self care. I know I know the quality of your work and what you what you do, and you know, to feel like you should feel less than because it can't be done in that moment it happens so often to so many people, and. I, and and all of us, I believe, it certainly has happened to me. But it certainly uh, is not something that would be true for you, you know. And and uh, and, and that that self-esteem because you're, you're remarkable in what you do. I and mean, here's another thing that happened. If you don't mind me going on, but. You know your husband went in the hospital. you're in the middle of a move you're in a, you have gone through so much loss in your past that you haven't shared yet in our conversations uh, and how that goes, but everything collects in every moment all of me collects into this moment, and some things emerge some experiences, some feelings that that I if experienced in the past, I experience again, and like one loss brings back all loss, one overwhelm triggers a lot of the other overwhelms. This looks a lot like that, you know, and so it's not just the house it's and, and the scare with your husband and and in the hospital uh, is uh, also I don't know how to do this, somebody's calling in, but the scare in the hospital has, uh, you know, brought back a lot of the other things. So overwhelm happens more than just in that event itself. It's a collection of events. Does that make sense?
0: It does. And yeah. just, just to kind of wrap that whole idea up uh, for what's going on for me, um, in order to move from this house to another house, uh, we're downsizing by half. And some of what I will have to give up, which will be a loss, is things that were my mother's, and I don't want to. Oh my! To. <laughs> oh my. But I'm going to have Big to. Time. Oh my! Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's things that um, that I I think, wow, I uh, you know, I'm not so sure I can. I don't want to give that up. So I'm having these, these conversations in my brain, like monkeys jumping on the couch. You know, it's like, oh my god. I, and I, so yes, I am in overwhelm of my own making, but I think I will be gentle with myself and say, you know what? It's okay. It's not permanent. I am strong. I am woman. <laughs> so yeah. Give myself permission to just be and do what is. It is what it is. Yeah.
1: But I, may <laughs> I say something real quick about that? When you said Absolutely. overwhelm of my oh, overwhelm of my own making. That could really, uh, you know, carry a lot of responsibility and potential guilt when that isn't. It's overwhelm that's part of life. You're not creating it. You're responding to what are the the dynamics that they're in right now. And so I'm real careful about how I... I, um, engage with my overwhelm. I, is there something that I can do in the midst of this? But Is it of my own making? It's just moving in all these circumstances that you're under. Uh, your husband going to the hospital is not of your own making. <laughs> you no, know? I did
0: I did take him. I did make him go. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, good. I did call That's good. 911. That I yeah. did do. <laughs> but no, but is, he's, he's doing so well now. It's like it was worth it. Yeah.
1: Good, yeah, absolutely. And it is, about, it is about moving out of our own making, that kind of mentality. That's part of self-care and gentleness is not to hurt ourselves, you know, by our verbiage, by our thoughts, by how we address the overwhelm. It's self-care is saying this is what I can do and to take it out of judgment. Right. But I know we're pretty close to the end of our time. so
0: We are, and I'm just so thankful that we started on one spot and we ended where I feel much better. (laughs) Good. That's that's what matters. I don't think that was what we had in mind in the beginning, but I like it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, um, your website is theafterloss.com. Your Facebook page, tell people how to get to your Facebook page. They can go to your website and click on the button down at the bottom that says um, the F for Facebook. I know that. How else can they get there?
1: Uh, It's called Grief and Healing in the Afterloss, and just look up grief or healing, and it will pop up somewhere.
0: Great. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then that's good. And then on the show page for this show, I have a link that is um, on the title of the book, Out of the Ashes, Healing in the Afterloss, and is actually hot-linked right to Amazon if people would like to buy the book right from the show page right now. Um, and also I have the website hot-linked. So um, I just learned how to do that in our uh, show page for Blog Talk, so that was cool. And I think we'll just close today with something that is on your Facebook profile picture, which is absolutely gorgeous there at the top when you first get to the page. And it's just beautiful, and it says, As for me, I choose life. In all its shades and colors, I choose life. For in all of us is the capacity to live beyond the edge of ordinary if we choose. And those are your words, and they are words to live by most definitely. And I thank you for being with me today. And for letting us both be vulnerable and you know, getting through it.
1: Absolutely, thank you, Deborah, for being being here and 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 being who you are. I appreciate
0: it. Well, thank you. All right. Until next time, everyone. We'll sign off for now. Bye bye.